So, um, I don't even know what day it is. It's a Friday. It's a Friday, no, the oh fourth. God, it's my Leslie. mom's birthday, actually. Today's your mom's birthday. Yeah. What's her name? Angela. I know your mom. Yeah. Your mom was in Loretta Convent. Ah, yeah. A little bit older than me. I know yeah. your mom. Yeah. So, yes, and I have to say I have stalked you a little bit on Facebook <laughs> or Instagram just to get the back, but I know your... But turns yeah. out, I know your mom, and actually... You look like your mum and your dad. Yeah. And I know your dad because your dad is now going out with Gianna, my lovely friend. Yeah. Hello to Gianna. <laughs> so hopefully you will be listening. Leslie, um, I have to laugh. Tell, tell, I, I, have to, I want you to t- tell us, tell me <laughs> how you knew about me because I think this is a very funny story. Because yeah, it's the first time we've met in person. It's the first time we've met. I met properly, really, but when I was Chica... I used to call in GBC Radio to enter the competitions, and the very first time I called was you, and you gave me the you gave me the prize. <laughs> so, I'm so glad I did. What did you win? Do you I remember? Won, I remember. I think it was like a meal at Corks or something like that. <laughs> and it was the best day ever. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. So I was what is it, presenting a show. Or yeah, something? that's how I that's knew. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, yeah. <laughs> Leslie, I really wanted you to come on this podcast because you are a woman rising. Mm-hmm. You've done really cool things. I feel um, even that I should ask for your autograph because to be a BAFTA <laughs> Award nominee and you're sitting here in my new paint, newly painted living room. It's Which like, is lovely, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> grey. Everybody's painting the house grey, apparently. It's nice, actually. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, it sounds a bit echoey because we have no curtains and we've literally just put the furniture back. But, yes, um, it's really nice to have you. And I'm thrilled because I want to hear all about you and I'm sure everybody else does, too. You are a film editor. Um, and you are a TV editor as well. Are you? Film and TV. TV? I'm trying to get into that, yeah. So when I looked at what you'd done, the list was rather long, and I saw that you've done um, edited films, The Other Fellow, Held, Cages, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm absolutely impressed with the list of films that you've worked on, Mm -hmm. and you're just a young girl from Gibraltar. How old are you? I'm 25. I'm incredible. Uh, you've dreamt, you dreamt of this all your life because we've been talking about me for the last five, ten <laughs> minutes. And I said to you, I don't tell me anything about you. I want it all to come out. You've won an Annie Award um, in 20 this year, mm-hmm. Best Student Film, and nominated for a BAFTA. Why were you nominated for a BAFTA? Let's start there. Why was I nominated for BAFTA? Well, that was for Best Animation, um, which is the one that won the Annie Award as well in LA. So um, that was the short film that was nominated. But unlike feature films where you have separate awards for like Best Editor, Best Composer, the short film is like the whole team is represented, really. So, um, yeah, so we all went. Amazing. It's crazy. And your role was as an editor? Was the editor the in all of these films, yeah, the editor. And how how um, how did you get into this? So you're a girl from Jib, you went to study. Where did you study? I studied first, I went to Leeds and I went to the Northern Film School. So it was slightly different from university. It was a film school. And that's where I kind of got the first insight into British film industry. So you studied film? So I studied film. But before that, I mean, all my friends, they know that I had a camera in my hand since the Shika. Always? Always. I loved it. I mean, it didn't start off serious to begin with. It was just, I just loved documenting. I would film all the family events in school. They sometimes confiscate my camera because I'd be in the playground filming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think looking back at it, the thing that always got me excited was the editing I was wanting to film things so I can get to the editing and experiment um so really I started off with just loads of home videos 
Yeah, and my dad was always filming me the shika. Always, I think maybe that had something to do with it. He loved documenting. And, and you liked the editing, the put, cutting and putting together. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I was like, wow, I can make people laugh just by putting these two images together. I don't know, I really liked it. I found it really creative. Mm. So, so you yeah. studied film and as part of film you did editing. Yeah, so the first course I did was filmmaking, a BA degree in filmmaking. And over the three years, I, I ended up specializing in editing. But I, I like did all the specialisms where I learned directing, producing, just to get a fundamental idea of all of those specialisms. Everything. And with that, because they all, they all really go hand in hand. It's really good to have an idea mm. of all the specialisms to be good at your specialism, I think. So that's what I did. And then, but since Ashika, I knew I wanted to do film then. Um, from like the age of 12 or 13 and I used to tell my dad I want to go to this film school it's called the National Film and Television School and they only did masters there and he used to say Shikija you haven't even done your GCSEs calm down but I was since that age yeah already planning to go to this film school that I wanted to go to and is that quite a prestigious film it's quite school. prestigious so yeah after I did my BA that was the next step and you and you got there and I got there and how did you get there I got there I don't know I don't know okay. it's crazy I just you applied obviously I applied for a master's was, no it was a really extensive process they only they only select eight eight candidates globally per course oh, so seriously and and I think what I was most worried about was my age because I was 21 at the time and most of the students were mid-20s to mid-30s and I remember even the the head of my film school at the time, my BA, she told me, don't apply now. Like, you're not going to get in. But for some reason, I don't know, I had such a hunger for it. And I just, like, really felt connected to this film school. I felt like now is my time. Um, so I just did it. Yeah. I just applied and I got in somehow. <laughs> Amazing. What yeah. a feeling, no? Yeah. yeah and what was that? What was it like? Amazing. Best oh. years of my life, for sure. It felt like I really felt at home there. The, everyone there was amazing. The people. What was like, that? In London? It was just outside of London, in Buckinghamshire. Okay. Um, so it was a little town in the middle of nowhere, like no, nothing, Beaconsfield it was okay. called, nothing was there, vale? it was like the film school was the main <laughs> attraction and there was a miniature village, um, a museum, that's all, it was just viejos and us, um, <laughs> but we had the best times so, yeah. there, just because everyone was so like, so passionate and so friendly. Mm. And nice. you could really get into what you were doing. Yeah. So what did you learn that was so amazing? So over the two years, I just did, so I just focused, yeah, editing. And yeah. there was eight of every course. It was eight directors, eight composers, eight VFX. You know, you had every specialism there. And we'd make films after films. It was like more like a production house. It was not not so much learning and studying, but it was like making. Like mm. they just threw us there. So we'd, we'd make films all the time and have cinema reviews with all the tutors and the whole year where we'd read feedback. And so people would watch it and then they would they would report back on what they thought yeah and, and yeah. that's how you got yeah. your your well learned really yeah. that's how you that's how we learned as a as an hundred percent and found ourselves creatively and and also all the tutors there were working in the industry so, that, so our my editing tutors were editors mm. and we had master classes constantly we were really spoilt for you know really big filmmakers coming in all the time so we were around that for two years it was like that and we built a portfolio so yeah when I graduated it was like I already you had, had a bunch of films yeah. well which is what you need because then which is what you I have need. to go sell yourself to directors no? yeah 100% wow that 100%. is incredible the journey yeah, 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 just yeah. started really you know yeah. but um so you finish you finish in little town con viejos yeah. in the middle of nowhere yeah. Buckinghamshire <laughs> which actually I've, I know Buckinghamshire really? I lived in Oxford for 12 years well, it's quite I think it's a border county or very near yeah 
Um, and then what happened? You had to go and find a job and be a big girl. Yeah, like, I think that was the scariest part, being yeah, in a really safe space where I was able to course. just explore myself and make all these films. But yeah, I was like real world now. Um, and that was really scary because it's like putting a deposit in a house in London and not knowing how you're going to pay the bills and all of that. No, But at the same time, everyone was in the same boat. And you realised you suddenly, decided you were going to stay in London. Yes. I mean, you're kind, of, you're kind of tied down there. Mm. Um, unless you go to is, LA. Mm. You're kind is of, that where it is? Yes. Or London, London or LA? London is the hub or LA. The, and the, the USA film industry, Hollywood, is very, very different from the British film industry. Is it really? Why is that? I think so. No, Sam, more commercialised, I think. I have... I have when I was like 19. Um, but yeah, just the way they go about things are very different to UK. Okay. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know. Any better, any worse? I or? think British filmmaking is like, feels more like independent filming. Yeah. Filmmaking. Um, I don't know, for me, there's more of a quality about it. It's more explorative and different. I don't know. Mm. Um but yeah, so but it's kind in, of in London, so you're, you're kind of yeah. Well, that's okay. Yeah, which is fun. Yeah. I mean, I've been there now a year and a half and enjoying it. I feel like I've still just moved in. Um, there's things happening all the time in London, so yeah, that's so quite fun. Where did you? Where are you working? Tell me about your. I mean, what you, you finished in Buckingham? Yeah. You went to London. Yeah, you got together with some friends. You got yourself a place to live, mm -hmm. which is horrendously expensive, no? Yes. And then yeah. thought, God, what am I going to do now? And then yeah, then I guess I realised at that <clears> point that we had built such a community going to the school mm. that suddenly we started getting jobs passing on to each other. I don't know how it happened, but it was like someone would recommend me, someone would have heard about me. But not with people that you lived with? Sometimes, yes, actually, because okay. I, live, I live with um, three people from my film school. One's a producer okay. and two are composers. Um, wow. And sometimes we've made films together. So like that, the the animation that went to the BAFTAs, um, the composer of that I live with. Okay. <laughs> and the other two I worked on, on stuff with them as well. So so you're all putting feelers out for each other. Yeah. Because you all do different things. A hundred percent. And then so you were recommended. It's all word of mouth, no? Is that it how it does. works? It does. The same as in gym. People always yeah. say it's who you know. It's yeah, the yeah. same thing yeah. there, really. You realise suddenly yeah. the, the film industry is really small. It seems like this big thing, but it actually is very small. People, everyone knows each other. So... Which is good and bad. Which is good and bad. But good for you. But good for me. I was like a female editor and I had just won the award at my graduation for editing. So I think I was on people's radars. So that was quite helpful to me. Um, so yeah, I left. But luckily, just as I was graduating, I did get, uh, for a friend of a friend, I suddenly got um, an offer to edit this feature documentary called The Other Fellow. Um and it was this guy who had been making this film for the past 10 years. The same this, film? He'd be making this, yeah, he'd be going all around the world filming all these people. And it got to the point where he wanted to finish it, yeah, and he wanted to take it home and he needed an editor. And it was my old film school lecturer who kind of put us in contact. And so I got on it and it was really interesting topic. It was, uh, it's, called, it's about men all over the world called James Bond and how it's affected their lives. So it's, it's super simple, super funny, but super dramatic. Real men. Like Real a men. Like a documentary. It's a documentary. It's documentary. That yeah. is so funny. Yeah. We're yeah. called James Bond. It's called The Other Fellow because that's um, a line from James James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> so he went all around the world finding all these different men called James Bond. And, and he's found out how dramatic actually some of these people's lives were because I think James Bond is like the idea of what a man should be. Yeah. And when you're constantly living in the shadow of what yeah, a man should yeah, be, it's, it's, that could happen have an impact on you and so 
I don't know. What an idea. What an idea. And yeah, it's funny, it's dramatic, and it ends up just being something really exciting to work on. And I got my flatmates involved in it as the producer, as the as the composer, and a few other friends. And now now it's just being sold around the world. So yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how's it doing? It's doing oh, I've well. I've got to watch it. The <laughs> yeah. other fellow. Well, I really, I, I really want to bring it to Gibraltar. Hopefully, do a screening or something. Oh, let me know if you do. I Don't will. I've me. told, I've told the producer director, and they're like, we want to go to Gibraltar. Yes. Come on, we'll come, we'll come. Yes, why not? So, there yeah. could be like a film festival well, here in Gib. I've been there saying isn't that one. There, there isn't one. Yeah, I've been saying for years. I mean, that's such a good idea. Yeah, the drama, the drama festival, the music festival, they've all blown up really in Gib. People love that yes. kind of thing. So, like, film it. The film festival is the next. Thing. Yes, I think, and I, I really want to be involved in that. And there's somehow. other people doing film here yeah, in Jib, and yeah. other people that I know composing for film. Mm. There's a young boy called um, uh, uh, Stefan. I Stefan, think his name yeah, is. yeah, yeah, I know. I know his his yeah. mom. She was in school with me, so mm-hmm. he he could as well be involved. It yeah, would be so definitely. good. Definitely. There's so much talent. So you are living your best life. Yeah. You are in London, um, having a fab time mm. and earning. How is the money good in this field? The money's good. I think in the beginning, like most of the films I have done are short films currently. Those don't pay well, but they... But you get amazing experience. You get amazing experience. They go to all these festivals and the people you meet are amazing. And, you know, as they go up the ladder, so will you if they want to mm. continue working with you. But um, I've just started working over some. I was working on a TV series and that was the first time I was getting paid like a real editor i felt like a real proper, adult proper money. it was very good money yeah um so yeah so um leslie i've got a bunch of questions i haven't even i haven't even gotten <laughs> started yet um let me see what made you want to edit you said it before hmm. so your dad um always constantly filming you as a child hmm. well yeah yeah so i always had a camera in my hand i was always filming and I got to a point in my teen teenage years where I was very money minded and I started filming my, I literally started where I started filming my friends, uh, my friends parties, like in Savannah and stuff like that. I was like, they'd be like, I give you free VIP if I'll, if you can film us, no, it started off like that. And I loved it. I found it so exciting. I'd meet everyone along the way of filming them. And there was something that was really musical to it when I was editing, matching the music and the images. And so I started doing then the MTV festivals as well. Um, So I did that over the years. But when it came to like narrative work, which is what I'm doing now, really what's narrative work? Narrative is storytelling rather than, rather than doing commercial like, or with your editing. Yeah. So the, all the films I've been doing at the moment are all narrative, yeah. um, where it's all about storytelling. What I like about that is, I think, growing up, on like li- like looking at screens all the time, think about how much like visual information we get all the time. And I think cinema, like a film or videos, YouTube, whatever, it can influence someone so much. Yeah. The way they think, feel, well, yeah. view, opinion, I don't know, everything. I mean, a film, you watch a film and it and it's, can put you in a great mood or in yeah. a bad mood. Or exactly. In a, you know, exactly. You can... So I realise how much actually there's a lot of psychology in filmmaking. Oh, yeah. Like you're always thinking about how this there affects is. the audience, how they feel, da, da, da. And really, like, I think when we're watching films, we're always trying to find a connection, a way to connect to the character and their situations. And sometimes it can really help. Like if you're editing a film about someone suffering dementia, it can help, you know, families who are watching that Mm. whose parents have dementia. It's just a way of connecting, I think, to people. And yeah, I just think it's a really powerful tool. And you can be very creative. Yeah. Is that what's the best thing about it? Well, I think it's that. I think it's like 
what, what you learn what, from what, it. Yeah, what I learn from it. Every project is so different, and I delve into a completely different world every time and really learn about that world. So I love that. Um, mm, and you get really immersed. No, I'm a, yeah. I, I can guess that when you're so immersed, you forget. Like if there's any stuff going on, like any troubles in your mind, you yeah. forget everything. No, you yeah, just definitely, definitely. And you're being creative. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I you won a cultural award yesterday, mm. the day before I was watching it. Well done, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Really well deserved. And you said. Some, I think you were asked by Davina something about who have you met and you oh, you said something about how surreal it was to just walk past Lady Gaga. I would have been like on my on the floor. <laughs> I mean, I watch like the the BAFTAs and all that, and I always fancy myself as the pre the pre um, the person that's there on the carpet, yeah, stopping the stars and just having <laughs> a chat with them. That's my ideal job. That's what I would love really? to do. So if, if you ever need somebody like that when you're doing... Perfect, I'll call Michelle. Yeah, uh, you call me, exactly. <laughs> um, what, you've met famous people, I'm sure. Yes, I'm Go on, name slow, slowly name starting, drop, slowly. I'm, I'm, I'd still say I'm, you know, I've obviously achieved a lot in the past year, but I'm still to some extent in the beginning of my career. But I am now brushing shoulders against some people. And Did I've, you actually meet Gaga or not? So at the BAFTAs, no, she, I mean, she was there and it was like, everyone's eyes was on, was on her she had like a real presence to her and she was walking up the stairs and she suddenly like something happened to her shoe and she stopped and she looked at us another row and we all just looked back and we all stayed frozen for a second so that was it but she went up on stage and presented an award with someone called Bookie Bacray who I worked with she's she won last year the BAFTA Rising Star Award and she's just started directing her own videos and I was the first editor she worked with so it was like wow if I felt in some way one away from Lady Gaga I was like look at Bucky she's up on stage of Lady Gaga they have photos together and all and she's someone that I talked to um so yeah things like that then um not so much I mean I've met loads of people because of masterclasses so well, loads of people. How do you do um, those? When do you do those? So that was through the- through my film school. And now sometimes I still get invited to private screenings now where there's always like people there. So I missed one in the past week, which was Sam Mendes, who did 1917. Yes. I used Beauty. to be married to, what's her name? From um, Titanic. What's her name? The star? And Kate Winslet. Yes. Really? I didn't yes. know that. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know yes. that. They were married. Well, They're yeah. not married anymore. Wow. Mm. Well, he, he was just in UK for Masterclass. Um, a Q&A, sorry. So, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. To meet and ask questions. Yeah. Yeah, and I've, I've gone through loads of, the, to loads of them now. It's like, you, you can kind of, to some extent now, expect what they're going to say. But they always say, I always get one piece of gold out of every Masterclass I've been to. Um so it's always reassuring hearing their struggles as well. Safety Solutions Limited, Gibraltar's leading provider of health and safety and fire safety advisory services. Whether it's policy formulation, risk assessments, development of safe systems of work, health and safety training, workplace auditing, planning supervision, CDM documentation, or just general advice, Safety Solutions are here to help please contact info at safetysolutions.gi or you can call 56707000. What are deadlines like? Because I guess you have to stick yes. to certain yeah. deadlines. Well, I would ha- say... To work well under pressure. I do. I think I always have. You know, I think actually I somehow work the best when I'm most under pressure. Um, 
But yeah, I think that's probably the most negative part of the film industry is that it's a very demanding industry. They want everything now mm. and they will work you to the bone. Like like sometimes I've gotten contracts where it's been a 12 hour day for months. Um, so it can be like very Exhausting. long hours. You're sat in front of a computer, you know, it, is, it can be mentally taxing. Um, but yeah, so I'd say deadlines are definitely a thing. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, you're, you're, that, that's what you do. Your work is behind a computer. Yes. So where yes. do you have the fun? Well, I think the fun is collaborating. It's not, it's not like I'm just like pushing buttons. I'm like sat with the director and we are, most of the time editing is really talking. We're discussing like what the right way to go is. Cause you can have like the same footage and make 10 different films out of it. And it's like a puzzle almost. You're trying to work out what is the best way to make this film. Okay. The script's been written and all of that, but mm. you can put it together in a million different ways. And it's, that's, that's what we're always trying to discover. What's the best way? Why isn't that working? Oh no, we've overcome a hurdle. They didn't manage to get that scene. What do we do now? So, so you sit with the director. Sit with the director, and at first I assemble I assemble the film by myself. Once we have the bare bones of the, the film. whole film, yeah, the whole film. Then the director comes on board, and now we start getting it more to that. What's their vision? Because really, they're like driving the ship, and we're all we're all just helping that mm. vision. But it is a massive collaboration, like. The director has, like, they don't know how to edit. They don't know how to compose. They just know the vision. So there was a lot of trust and, like, working together. And, yeah, a lot of editing is talking, talking for hours. But would this would this character not, react that way? You're not would, bad at that right I'm not, no, I love talking. <laughs> for me, that's the part that energizes me. And sometimes it's not just the director. The producers can come in or the composer. I love working with sound and music. And as editing, you're, like, kind of the head of the department. You work load workloads with sound designers composers bfx so it's like all of those departments you're it's working a real with. team effort so when yeah. they come up to collect the oscar and all these hundreds of people come up on the screen it really yeah. is a team effort a hundred percent a hundred percent and for things like the other fellow the documentary mm. i think editors have a huge role in documentary because there's no script so mm. the story that you're finding is in the edit it's like, what is the editor finding interesting? Maybe it was meant to be about this, but actually through the material you find, no, this is the real story. Mm. So I have a lot of creative control, I think, as an editor for documentary. How exciting. Mm. Do you have people working for you, like that you have under you? Yeah, I have. I haven't up until this year. I had my first assistant in... Um, over summer and that was quite crazy but I think I'm very relaxed boss I was like as long as you get the work done take the day off maybe <laughs> I was too relaxed but yeah so I have an assistant editor who they do like more of the technical side and preparing the exports and and what are, what are the technical challenges that you face I mean what is the, the mm. downside of the job apart from the deadlines that can cause a bit of stress yeah I mean technically I guess I think you can hit like but only technically, I mean, obviously you need to be really proficient at the 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 software. Mm. Um, so that's a whole side of it. You need to be really proficient efficient at it so that you can just get on with the job. And, you know, obviously as of technology, there's always crashes and all of those things. Um, but also you can reach like mental blocks, creative blocks all the time where like you're really trying to figure out a problem in the story or something and it's like how do you get through so normally the best thing to do is kind of just go for a walk or come back the next day and like look at it with a fresh mind yeah. yeah I can imagine so when you're talking about technical stuff and all the software 
um, this is updated all the time mm. because computers, you buy a computer within five years, the software is outdated. How do you keep on top of the, the new um, software that comes out all the time? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. What's funny is that the program I use is called Avid Media Composer. I don't think many people will hear of it, but it's like the industry standard editing software. And it's the first um, program that they used when they moved from working on film to technology this is the first program that came about. So a lot of the editors are very old that use this. And whenever they tried to like update the interface or like make it more modern, all because. these old editors used to complain, there's no, don't change it. So you go on it and it does feel like a bit more like a 1990 program. It feels a bit viejo, but um, they do over, over the years try to update it. There's always updates, but... I think it's the same. Like when you get a new iPhone, it's different for the first day or two, but you get used to it. And then you get used to it. Yeah. But you have to keep on top of it. You have to keep on top of it. Yeah, for sure. Mm. What's your best work in your, in your, in your own... My best work? I'll skip off. Yes. Well, I think my best work is probably the ones I've really put myself, my whole self into. Um, So, I mean, there's a couple to be honest, but the film that's been most successful probably is Night of the Living Dread, which is an animation. That's the one that went to the BAFTAs. And I was super close to the director. We're super, super close, still are. Um, So there was so much trust there to be completely honest with each other about what was working, what wasn't working. And with animation, it's really interesting. The way it works is actually you do the editing first. So you edit really crap drawings, sketches, to work out the story. And then once that's like a solid base, they start animating to that because animation takes ages. To just animate like one minute takes ages. It could take like a month. It's like you're talking Sheena to me. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Yeah. But so, so, so explain it to me. So, like how, she, you know. so she did stop motion, which yeah. isn't drawn. Yes. It's actual physical puppets. Yes. And it's like... Stop motion. It's like it's taken through images. So what you do is you have to... If you yes, want to move I the know, arm... And then you move it. And you yes, move I've the seen, arm I've every... Yeah, do. so that's what she was doing. <clears throat> so, and if something goes wrong halfway through that... Like then the you arm drops again. Up or something. Yeah, exactly. So it takes a very long time. So you kind wow. of figure out everything in the very beginning of the editing, which means I have more creative input. I get to say, you know, more about my vision and everything then. Yeah. And then to see it get to see it get made then is like, wow, like that's something that we were talking about. Look at it now. And, and, and how, then how long is this animated film? That it's only eleven minutes because it's a short film and it took a year and a half. <gasps> Over lockdown we did it actually. Oh yeah. From, be- from beginning to end, from like concept I'm to end. Watch it. Where can we we watch it on YouTube. Actually, it's, it's available to view now on the New Yorker website. Suddenly put it on the website. Um, so, yeah, you can find it there. We just search Night of the Living Dread. Night of the um, Living Dread. Ooh. Yeah, so I recommend. It's fun. What advice would you give someone who has the same dream that you mm. did? Yeah, so this is what I, talk, I spoke about in the Cultural Awards the other night. Honestly, it sounds very simple, but just go for it. Don't don't let anyone convince you otherwise that nothing's that, you know that it's impossible because it's not. Really, always follow your inner guide, follow your gut, and go for it. It's possible. You know, we're in Gibraltar. It's a very small place. We don't have things like a big film industry and stuff here. Um, so sometimes we're not exposed to a lot of possibilities. But I'd say to go to you know go, we're so lucky we can go study in the UK where mm. you you you're you know you're very you're suddenly aware of so much um just go for it do research look at the paths there everything is possible we have so much opportunity these days too much Mm. almost so just because we come from gibraltar a small place explore it for sure very good advice (laughs) 
Um, who do you follow as an inspiration, um, editor-wise or film-wise? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so this is not so much editing, but the filmmaking itself. I, I grew up loving Edgar Wright's style, who he did, it sounds really silly, but he did Shaun of the Dead. Mm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. He did um, Baby Driver and then the newest one, Last Night in Soho. If you watch... I'm, Last Night in Soho, I loved it. Yeah. He, it's a really good film. He, he's so creative. Like, it's not just it's set, a telling a story. It's a quirky film, actually. Yeah, it's very quirky, but you really see all the elements of filmmaking working together. The sound, the music, the editing, everyone... And is the soundtrack doing, is fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really enjoy... I don't know if you've, if you've heard of Euphoria, the series... But it's one of the best things I've seen in years. And it's just the way it's made is so amazing. It really allows you to like feel what the characters are feeling. Um, is it an animation? No, no, no. It's a series. It's okay. HBO, so it's a okay. bit, bit I difficult. I think I have heard of it. Yeah. But uh, in terms of editing, Thelma Shoemaker, who's Martin Scorsese's editor, she's like this 80-year-old female editor. She's been his editor toda la vida. And she's For amazing. Scorsese. For Martin Scorsese, a female editor, she's amazing. Un badge, le vamos yeah. She's still going <laughs> at 80. <laughs> she's still going. I don't think editors oh ever God. retire. <laughs> but mira, when she retires, que te un cable, que te un cable a ti. That's funny. Um, do you have any side hustles? Side hustles? You know, I used to do loads of event planning in, in Jib. I, I brought over the Carnage events. I don't know if you remember the pub crawls where mm-hmm. everyone used to wear the t-shirts and had to take... <laughs> When I used to do that, I used to help. I used to help out a bit in some summer festivals and events. I used to love things like that. Now my side hustle, I think no. Now it's like purely editing. Do you, you know? still do friends parties and put things together for people and I things like that? I don't anymore. I don't anymore. Um, You're a big girl now. I'm a big You're, girl yeah, now, but yeah. I, I don't know. I'm kind of like I want to a bit. I want to come back. <laughs> well, I'll have to let you know when I have a party. You come over specially. Um, who's your ideal client? Is my ideal well, client. Who's your old oh, director? Or so who who mm. would you you would work for a bunch of people? Whoever's mm. paying for the film? Mm. No, yes. well they they would it's be the, the ones paying company, you. the executive yeah. producers. Yeah. yeah, who's my ideal client? So who I'd like to work with? Who would you like to work with? Oh my god! What, what, and who's what been question? a dream to work with? Somebody that you've already well, maybe this person that you mentioned before that you got on so well with when you did the animation. This or? is the thing. I think you know. I I was like for ten years, yeah, like wanting to get to the top, wanting to get to the top, wanting to be an editor, and I'm here now to some extent. And like my mind has really shifted on things lately. I'm like trying to find the work-life balance. It's not all about work. Like there's me separately to my work. And I've really thought in the past year, I want to work with with people I call friends, with people I really trust. And yes, the animation director, Ida, um, is someone I'd love to work with. I have a few directors like that who, those are the people, rather than famous people, I yes. want to work with these people that I love and trust. Yeah. And we're making a film together already, Ooh. another animation. So um, there's things in the works. So job-wise, you don't work for anyone in particular. Oh, I'm self-employed. I'm You're freelance. self-employed? Yeah, I have an agent now. Oh, wow, well. really? That, that has been a massive thing, yeah, because I'm how, signed... How does that work? I'm signed by United Agents, which is the one of the biggest agencies in London, so that has done, like, you know, many things for me. Um, so she takes 10% commission of my work, but, okay. but she puts me in front of all the right people. And if it wasn't for having that contact, who knows all the right people, you know, I probably wouldn't be getting the jobs I'm getting right now. 
Okay. Yeah. So that's and, interesting. And so she gets ten percent of whatever you earn. Yes, but she does all the uncomfortable chats so she about will... money, contracts, oh, everything. Really? It's a safety net for me, and also just getting me the jobs that I want. I want to work on. Yeah. So she will ring you and say, "Right, Leslie. Yeah. Next week you're going to meet." Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> Clint Eastwood is making a film and he wants you to edit it. Or, or, um, so so yeah. then what, do you have an interview with a, a director? Or what, yes. What yes. happens So next? actually I just did one on Friday, um, interviewed for a TV series. <clears throat> and it's like a big budget series. It's a period drama. So it'll be for working. channel? It's for, it's for, I've never heard of it before. ITVX, which I think is a new stream. I've never heard of it, but it's going to have, I think, American distribution as well. Um... But yeah, it's an up-and-coming female director, which is why she said maybe it's interesting. You go for this. And I had an interview then with her, the director, and one of the producers. Ooh, and how was that? It's scary. It's is always it's... scary. You're always feeling like you have to prove yourself, no? Um, and I think for me, even though I've done all these things in the past year, I'm still very you've much... You've just started. I've just started. I haven't, I haven't got experience yeah. editing TV series. So yeah, you've got to keep humble. I have to keep humble and they need to take a chance on me. Um, so that interview went really well. I'm currently waiting to hear about that. And that happens on Zoom or something? At the, yeah, one in London, sometimes you're lucky enough to go for coffee. If not, it's on Zoom. So yeah. So yeah, you have to keep it real because even 100%. though you're... You're, you know, doing extremely well. Mm-hmm. You can't be complacent and think, oh, at I'm all. Gonna... And there's some. People... I think that's the, 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 the yeah. You're down. Well, you're downfall. You're not going to have a down. But that could be your that, yeah. negative. I'm always having to prove myself. I think to a certain extent. I think there's people like ten years down the line who are still every job. It's like mm. trying to convince them to hire you, sort of thing. Hopefully, it won't be like that. But let's see. I don't think it will be like that. I don't think you're like that. But from I think, what I from what I've <laughs> met you so far, but I think also being a woman, I think is almost an advantage now, which is great. You that think we can so? say? I don't know. I think I'm glad you feel like that. Yes, I know it's not not the not the case everywhere, but I think there's a people want to hear from diverse the, voices, especially of cinema. I mean, the media world is definitely male has been yes, male dominated. Still is many many. Um, I mean, I know from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to say very same. much. But if you look at the percentage of male filmmakers in in UK, it's crazy. But I think female directors, etc., women are on, on the, the rise. Up. Yeah, that's why I'm doing Women Rising because we need that. We need to big up women. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Um, how do you know if a film is going to be successful or not? And would that be something that would influence whether you take the job or not? I think so. I think so. When I get the opportunity to maybe go, you know, join a project, I get to read the script. And that, you know, if you see like red flags, obviously that you're not I think less so red flags, but I think if you're not personally connected to the film, Mm. to the story, then how Mm. do you know you're going to bring, give it your all, you know? So I only go for films now that I feel personally connected to. So you go with your guts? I go with my gut, always. Me too. You have to go with your guts. Does it ever let you down? You know what? The couple of times I felt a bit like I'm not sure if I feel this, and the couple of times it's gone wrong, actually. So that's interesting. So it's made me follow my gut even more. Yeah, yeah. Always follow your gut. Always. It's always right. That's the lesson um, today. What's, what's the worst job you've ever had? What's the you worst job? You had to do job? some crappy stuff just to get where you are a little bit. What's the worst job? I mean, yeah. I like, mean, as well, like growing up here in Jib, like I was sort of working from the age of 15 and I was doing like everything possible. The worst job ever, let me think, because this isn't live. Worst job, worst job, worst job. I think, you know, I've worked on a film before where like you just, the story wasn't really there and Mm. we're trying our best to get it to work and it just 
you know, and then the people who were like making it as well were very confused. So it's, yeah, Mm. but I wouldn't say I've had like a very bad bad experience. No. Well, that's good. And what do you do for fun? (gasps) Tell me about your personal life. But how do you balance all this work? You said before that you now need to really take a step back from your work Mm. and have some fun. 100%. And I'm doing loads of self-work this year because I've realized how important that is. I got a bit burnt out. I was working like since I graduated, saying yes to everything, you know, because I was like, I never know what opportunity was going to get me places. So I said yes to everything, was burnt out. And now I'm really reeling it back in and really like trying to go, you know, trying to find that excitement within myself again for my work, but also myself, my hobbies. I've realized how important that is. So what, I love... What I, are your hobbies? I love playing piano. I'd say oh. I'm quite musical. Um, I don't read music. I just play by ear. So it's more of an intuitive thing. And I did that, the Sheikah. And that was kind of a form of therapy for me. And I moved to UK. I didn't have a piano. So I think I lost contact with that. So I'm trying to do that again. Um, you need to get yourself a piano. I got myself a piano. Oh, now. you did? Yes. You bought one? Yeah, my, yeah, I asked for Christmas for a little piano. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like a digital, a digital piano. Oh, I keep. see. Okay, yeah, not, not like one of these piano, no. <laughs> Dad, buy me a piano, please. Um, no, so that's that's one thing. So you're playing? Playing, yeah. Um, I mean, watching films I love, obviously. It's like escapism for me. Um, and... What was the other thing I was going to say? You have photography. Oh, you always like that. I love photography. Yeah. And actually, since lockdown, I haven't done that a lot. But I'm trying to reconnect to these things at the moment. Good. Let me just see what... Okay, good. We're doing really well. I've been going for more than half an hour. Okay, so edit that bit. Um, (laughs) And what I wanted to ask you, which I ask all my guests, is who do you look up to? (gasps) What a question. That's a really difficult question, you know. That's why I've asked it. <laughs> to catch you out. Um, I have. A, I, I don't know if you know my cousin, actually, Monique Grumbo. I do know your cousin, Monique. Yeah. I didn't know she was your cousin. She's but my yes, cousin. Yes, I know yeah, Monique. Yeah, so she's gone on a... Dif- she's had a difficult time lately. Um, she had a non-malignant tumour on her knee. And she's always been such a positive person, regardless of anything regardless of how much pain she was in and how much her life changed and everything she's always been such a positive person and that I don't know that really shines through to me like the past year I've really been trying to focus on just being happy with where I am and it doesn't matter what else is going going on around me so mm. I think she's someone I definitely look up to she can just take out anything and still have a smile on her face yeah amazing well thank you Leslie thank it's you. been super fun to meet you I had I was told all about you by Gianna. She did say, you're going to love her when you meet her. And I really have. And I've enjoyed my chat with you so much. Me too. I wish you all the best. I'm going to follow you now and make sure I keep up with all your shenanigans in England. And, thank and, you very and much. And LA, if you ever get to LA, you yeah, never know. Right. Make it big in Hollywood. Just, and thank you. Just, just remember this, right? I will. <laughs> You've been listening to Women Rising, a series of talks where I've chatted to fabulous and inspirational women exclusively about their lives and their losses, their struggles and their successes, and their contribution to this world where they are empowering others and making a huge difference in our community. Thanks must go to my producer, Charlie Hurst, for putting this podcast together. Catch him at soundunit.co.uk. And a huge thank you also to Beatrice Garcia, who has designed and painted the podcast icon.
She's at BeatriceGarcia.com. Should you like to advertise your business on my podcast, please get in touch and please like and rate the show on your favorite listening platform and comment also if you can. And should you want to get in touch with me, my email is rougejib at gmail.com.